It's your time to Ed Up with America's leading higher education podcast network, the Ed Up Experience, where we make education your business. This is Ed Up Legal with your host, Patty Roberts. She's Dean at St. Mary's School of Law, and she's going to be leading conversations about legal education in today's world. Now let's hear from your host, Patty Roberts. Hi, this is Patty Roberts from EdUp Legal. I'm here at St. Mary's University School of Law, and I have the opportunity to speak with Chad Chastine of the Princeton Review today. He is Director of Content Development, uh, does a lot of work with their LSAT testing, um, leads content in all their LSAT programming, and also is involved in contributing and assisting writing the book Cracking the LSAT, which the Princeton Review releases annually, I believe. So, um, Chad, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, this is um, an exciting time to be in the LSAT business, I think, because we are having such uh, tremendous increases in the numbers of test takers. Uh, and I wonder if you can start by just telling us a little bit about that. Why, why the increase um, in people interested in taking the LSAT? Yeah. So last year we saw huge increases in the number of LSAT test takers, the number of people that were then applying to law school, and uh, the number of applications each of those people uh, submitted to law school. And I think that there were are really a, a lot of reasons for the the increase, but the the primary one in in my mind is just that the test is a lot more accessible. In the last year, we've seen the LSAT change from a, a, a three and a half hour test that was taken on on tablets at, at a, a law school or a, or a university campus. Um, and it has changed into a three and now four section test that can be taken online. And that will be the case for the next three years. So, or two or three years. So what we're seeing, you know, in the last year was just this extreme change to um, a more accessible test. So it's online, it's scheduled over the course of a week, it's scheduled numerous times throughout the year, and students can take it uh, during the weekday or on a weekend, in the morning or in the evening, and, and they can take it from the comfort of their home or from a library. Uh, and so the, the fact that the test itself is more accessible, the fact that a lot of students are taking uh, time uh, at home, away from things that they might have been doing um, pre-COVID, and, and they're spending more time uh, at home, and, and so they have an opportunity to study more, that, so their test scores are better, and so they have more opportunities for law school uh, in, in when they do apply. And, and the fact that the world is changing in a way that I think lawyers and the legal profession are in the news uh, about making changes and about uh, being, you know, the work that they're doing is 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 in the the spotlight um, more uh, now than than it has been in a, in a while, and so I think that all of those factors sort of combine to to have a to just show an increase in the number of people taking these tests, and and certainly uh, LSAC uh, has has published some some thoughts that that are are similar to those um, as well. And your company helps people prepare for the LSAT. 
um, with a variety of materials. Can you tell us a little bit about what a student should do uh, if they're preparing to take the LSAT and how the Princeton Review can help them? Absolutely. So first and foremost, the LSAT is a test that people should prepare for. I think most people who who take the LSAT these days are, are aware of that, uh, but it is a challenging test that tests a way of thinking and a set of skills that law schools are looking for for, for students who are, are attending their law school. And, and so we have regularly talked to students about the, the importance of preparing for this test, not only because it helps you get a score that, you know, that is better and allows you a greater number of opportunities so you can apply to more schools and, and find the best fit school for you, but also because the, the LSAT skills that you use to get a better score are, are the kinds of logic and analytical thinking and reading skills that are so important to 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 apply to actually being in law school and studying for the, for the law and so the this the test questions are not the same you're never going to experience uh, LSAT games um in law school probably the the arguments are, are certainly not the same as as the you know reading a, a legal case um but the skill set is transferable and, and that is something that that we think is is really helpful for students to to understand uh, about this is that uh studying for the LSAT means studying for you know, for uh, uh, skills that will be useful throughout a, a, a legal career as well. Um, but the Princeton Review has a number of ways that we um, we help students prepare for this test. Um, we have uh, courses for uh, people that meet different people's needs, right? So um, we have our um, a 165 plus course, um, which is a comprehensive program that, that helps students learn about every facet of the LSAT, all the different types of questions um, and strategies that, that will help them answer those questions and do them in the time frame that's necessary. That course comes with score guarantees and it helps students you know, uh, through a live online program, uh, but also has uh, asynchronous components that students can do on their own schedule. Um, it also includes testing uh, relationship with LSAC. Um, we uh, integrate their prep plus with our course. So students who are taking our program uh, take practice tests through LSAC uh, on the, the law hub uh, environment uh, that they're actually going to take their real test on. So we try to, um, to teach people the strategies and then, and then ask them to, to practice those skills um, on in as close to real time conditions as possible. We also have um, shorter courses uh, that are like 30 hours for students that that might not be able to to devote a, a full you know 12 week program or something um, that is our 165 course. And we also have self-paced and then tutoring programs that are even more flexible for student schedules because that is something that I know is really important to students is to be able to study um, on their own schedule and uh, to their own needs. And so we have all sorts of programs that teach similar uh, strategies, right? All of those programs teach similar strategies. We just do it in a different way and on a different schedule. And so um, each of those programs is, is a great program. Um, and it's just about finding the right fit for every student. And who teaches your programs? What kind of people are you hiring? 
So we hire people who are educators, first and foremost. We hire people who are interested in in, in working with students, achieve goals uh, like getting into law school. Um, we ask all of our LSAT teachers to uh, to take a, a, an LSAT and and perform. Uh, well on it to show that they are capable of, of doing the things that we are going to teach students how to do. And then we ask them to go through a rigorous training that trains them on all of our curriculum and materials, uh, shows them what the strategies are and the various teaching uh, teaching strategies that, that are sort of unique to the Princeton Review and our live online environment. So um, right now uh, with COVID and still uh, around in a lot of a lot of communities, most of our programs are live online. Um, that's where where students are, are are learning, and so we spend a lot of time working with our teachers, not just on you know LSAT content. They come to us with the ability to answer arguments, questions, or reading comp passages, and then we train them on you know what are the best strategies for students who who don't do well on those things or who don't naturally know how to answer those questions. Uh, how do how do we teach them how to how to think in the way that the LSAT wants them to think? How do we train them to 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 read and analyze that information? Uh, and then how do we do that in a live online environment in a way that is the most uh, impactful um, for, for students. And so um, our teachers uh, come from a, a variety of backgrounds. We have, um, we have people who, who went to law school and have JDs. We have people who are gifted just educators um, who, who didn't go to law school, like myself. I, I like to think of myself as, a, as an educator um, person. And foremost. a gifted one, right? <laughs> well, I, would, I hope so. But, um, but, you know, we train people that, that come to us and, and, and do this. Like I started my career with a principal review as an SAT instructor in college and taught and tutored SAT for a number of years before uh, making the jump to, to the ELSA. And uh, it is a test that I have grown to uh, to love as, as a test. So it's something that, uh, you know, part of our training for new teachers is to, to sort of give them that sort of deeper uh, understanding of, uh, of the LSAT. Well, you might be the only person in America who loves the LSAT. <laughs> Maybe you have some teachers who love it too, but I'm glad you've grown to love it. Um, you talked about the Princeton Review's guarantee, score guarantee. Can you expand a little bit on that and also share um, what sorts of improvements do you track among the students who take these courses? Yeah, so our uh, LSAT 165 course is a program that guarantees that students who come in starting at uh, a 158 or better will um, get a 165 when on the real LSAT after they take our program and do all of the, the work that we ask them to do. So they come to all their classes and they do all the work to practice and actually prepare for that. Um, because a 165 is the median score uh, of accepted students, uh, or 163 is the median score of accepted students. So 165 gets, you know, is, is a better program or better score than that. So we we track that in historically we get better than seven seven point improvements for for most students but where a student is starting out how much work they put into it depending on the different programs that they're they're um, going through it sort of determines what a person's um, overall score improvement is right an average score improvement is just an average score improvement well i think that's that's good to know. I know our students who are interested in, in signing up with the Princeton Review will be happy to hear that. 
as far as your predictions, what do you think is going to happen in this coming application cycle? You talked about we've had a, a record year, at least for the last um, decade or two, with applications this past year. Do you expect the same this coming year? And do you have any insights into that from the amount of students who are signing up for prep courses, for instance? Yeah, I think that what we will experience largely is that students, uh, the, the, the increase in the number of people taking the tests and applying for law school will continue to increase in the sort of coming couple of years. Um, we, we see the changes to the LSAT are going to stick around for a couple of years. So I think that the changes to the number of people who are taking the test and applying to law school um, that are a result of that will also stay pretty, you know, stay on the upswing. So I think we should anticipate um, an increased number of um, students taking the test and applying to law school um, over the coming years. One of the things that I know students rely on when they are applying to law school is um, law school rankings, or um, if not rankings, uh, just information that's provided by organizations like yours. I know the Princeton Review does um, best law schools, and can you tell us a little bit about what that provides and, and how it differs from a normal ranking system? Yeah, so the best law schools book is, is one that we publish with information that comes from um, surveys that we do with all of the uh, accredited law schools and um, interviews surveys that we do with students at those law schools to give us information about not just what the school says that they are, but what the student experience at those schools tells us as well. And all of that is compiled into our best law schools books to give students their own sort of all the information that they need to make their own decision about what's going to be a best fit law school for them. Obviously, um, there are other um, lists of, of rankings with uh, the numbers one and um, all the way down. Um, and, and the best law schools book, um, you know, is works sort of in conjunction with some of those other lists, right? So that students can kind of come here and say, well, what is, what is it really like to go to law school at this place? Is this a place that, um, sure, it's, it's number you know, 10 law school in the country right now, but is it uh, going to be a good law school for me just because it's number 10? Or uh, are there other factors uh, about types of education, um, different types of programs, um, regional aspects of uh, of the law that might be relevant to, to a, a student's experience that, that they can, can get from our book that helps them sort of make the decision about what's gonna be a, a good fit law school for them. I'm curious, I've read some of the comments and I do find them very helpful uh, when you're getting experiences directly from students, but do you know the scope of student survey results or, um, or questions that you get answered by students nationally? I actually don't have the, the numbers uh, for, for that. I know that we, all of our best books have um, a, a fairly large online survey that we do, that we send to 
students at the universities or at the law schools. And um, we compile those sort of on a two-year ruling basis. So the data that's coming into us uh, does that, but I don't actually know um, how many students that we get. I know that uh, obviously some law schools, we get a lot more responses than others. Well, it's just, I think it's helpful to know also that you collect it on a two-year basis. Um, but I think students, if they take a look at the kind of candid feedback from other students already at those law schools, um, they would find that very helpful. As far as the LSAT goes, uh, you all have been doing LSAT prep for a long time, and um, now many schools, I think I recently read 70 or 80 schools, are now taking the GRE as well, law schools. What are you seeing as the uh, percentage of students now focused on the GRE, and what is your advice to students if they ask, should I take the LSAT or should I take the GRE? Because I think you offer prep in both, correct? We do. Yes, we do. So I think that um, the GRE is an interesting um, piece to, to talk about. Uh, I'll answer your question uh, about the, the numbers. I think the vast majority of students who are applying to only law school as a as a grad uh, program move are the vast majority of them are, are focusing on the LSAT as a as a test and that's because they may want to apply to schools that don't accept the GRE they um you know if if you're taking the LSAT and you're able to study for it and take it and get a good score uh you're you're going to use your LSAT score anyway um and so i think that most students for most students the GRE I'm sorry about that. Uh, for most okay. students, what kind of dog do you have? <laughs> I have I have two golden retrievers. Oh, there must be like a mailman coming or something. <laughs> there, there, there is. So most students that um, that would benefit from like the GRE as an option are people who are applying to to maybe other programs like policy uh, programs or joint programs where they're already taking a GRE. And, and every school that uses a GRE, there's a few different you know, policies. So I think it's important for students to really investigate that if, if that's an option that they're going for. But I think that um, because, because of the variation, because most students aren't taking the GRE just naturally anyway, um, I think most of, most of the people who we talk to who are coming to prep for law school um, admissions are, are focused on that on the LSAT. Um, the other uh, thing I hear from a lot of students uh, is um, that there's no math on the LSAT. So, uh, you know, where that's a big is, plus. <laughs> it can be. Um, there's a lot of logic, right? So um, I think some of the stuff that's um, uses the same part of your brain as, as um, the, the math stuff would, um, but it's things that you can learn and, and, and definitely get better at. And so, um, you know, that's, that's a big part of our, of our program is, is teaching people how to, to break down some of those um, sort of new and unusual things that are on the LSAT um, and, and, you know, do well on them. But, but yeah, I think the GRE is, a, is an interesting one. And I, and I don't want to discourage people from taking it. I think that if you're applying to a school that requires the GRE, that allows you to take the GRE, you're taking the GRE anyway, or it's a test that you've, you've, you've taken and, and done well on um, previously, you know, by all means, you know, use that score and, and uh, apply to law school. But I think that if you haven't started yet and you haven't taken a test 
and you're looking at what's the the most appropriate test for for me i think most students will will do that research and and settle on the lsat as the better option thank you that's helpful as uh, we talked about earlier um, there was a time where going into the law over the last um, decade decade and a half wasn't quite as popular as we're seeing now, and, and you gave some of the reasons for that increased popularity. What other predictions do you have for the coming decade and legal education? So I think, I mean, predictions are always fun because, um, you know, you can't tell the future. But I think that for for me, what I would say is one of the, the most, like, likely things to happen in legal education in the coming years uh, is going to be uh, an increase in uh, the use of education technology to allow more sort of hybrid learning models or even online um, uh, legal education, like we were talking about too. And I think that those kinds of, of programs will be integrated more into, into schools. And, and we certainly see schools, you know, trying to innovate with, um, with online learning and giving students opportunities to, to learn um, from, to, from distance learning for, for even a short period of time uh, and still be able to, to get a JD from an accredited law school. Um, you know, in the past, you know, the ABA has been fairly rigid with law schools about the, the importance of, of live in-person classes and for, for you know, as, as all, almost all of or all of uh, a student's um, education. And I think that we'll see that um, those sort of regulations relax a little bit in the, in the coming years. But that will all come as a result of students who are already learning online, right? They're doing their undergraduate education in a, a hybrid or live online or, or even somewhat asynchronous models of learning. We're, we're seeing a lot of experimentation with that. And um, students who are learning um, in high school today, you know, they're going to be applying to law school in six to eight years. Uh, those students, you know, may have spent the last decade of their life um, learning in a largely educational technology kind of way, right, online or, or, or similar. And I think that we'll see that um, expand slowly, but expand into law schools in the future. Well, I, I think you're right about that. And it'll be interesting to watch, um, especially now that everyone has had to do it to some degree because of the pandemic. Um, well, I thank you very much for sharing information about the Princeton Review and your experience with uh, the company and with the LSAT. And thanks for being a guest. Well, thank you so much for having me and my two golden retrievers. And um, <laughs> They're welcome you. anytime. <laughs> This has been another episode of EdUp Legal with your host, Patty Roberts. EdUp Legal is part of the EdUp Experience podcast network, bringing you the brightest and most influential minds across higher education and beyond. Here at EdUp, we make education your business.